morning. Good morning. Everyone okay? Good, good. So we're in a series. We're in a second week of our series, Come Dine With Me. And you may have seen the television program, uh, but we're not using it in, in that context, really. It's more of an invitation. It's more of an invitation to come and join us. And the question here we're asking is, are we hungry? Are we hungry for God? And are we hungry for the things of God? And Leon opened the first part of that up last week. He did the first course, and the first course was bread. And he did an amazing job just looking at Jesus there. And this morning, I haven't got any fancy bread makers, and I haven't brought any meat in. Because I wanted to be sensitive to the vegetarians. Thank you. <laughs> but I am. I am going to use the word meat quite a lot. So if you are a vegetarian, I hope you can get past that. You see, meat, meat, (laughs) meat is often considered to be the main part of a meal, the substantial part. Meat and two veg is a common phrase. Veg and two more veg doesn't quite work for me. (laughs) And when it comes to making me hungry, what? Smells make me hungry, like we discussed last week. It's the smell of steak cooking, or even better, roast lamb. That, that may be a Welsh thing. <laughs> but the word meat is used quite a lot in the Bible, and for different reasons. You see, in the book of Hebrews, Paul refers to meat as he speaks to the Jewish Christians about spiritual growth. Hebrews 5 verse 12 to 14 says this, You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again about the basic things of God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, meat. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know what to do what is right. Solid food, meat, is for those who are mature who, through training, have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. And that's quite a rebuke there from Paul. Being called a baby is not the greatest of compliments, but the Jewish Christians were immature. You see, they should have been teaching, but instead they needed to be taught. And now this morning, I'm not saying anyone here is immature. In fact, the opposite. Some of you are very very mature. (laughs) But this morning, I want to give you some meat. I want to give you something that I've been feasting on. And I'm going to be using the Bible quite a lot to do this. So if you have one, dig it out and let's begin. So who here has experienced a miracle? And what is your definition of a miracle? Think about that and we'll come back and compare You see, there were some pretty amazing miracles in the Old Testament. The parting of the Red Sea, the great flood, Jonah uh, inside the whale. And the one I like best is the plague of hemorrhoids on the Philistines. (laughs) That's in 1 Samuel 5, 9 to 12. And you can read that in your own time. And I know I really shouldn't like it, but it is quite funny. Then in the New Testament, we have the, the walking on water the raising of the dead, the feeding, the feeding of the thousands, demons being put in their rightful place, and Jesus making all things new. I said Jesus making all things new. 
how do your miracles compare to that? And after thinking about it, do you think you've actually had one? Well, I want to put it to you this morning that you have, and not just one. And actually, they're greater than the ones we just heard about. You see, and I want you to get this, this is serious, miracles are all around us. It's sometimes that we just don't notice them. Last week, Leon mentioned the manna from heaven and how the Israelites took it for granted. They even thought it was Moses that provided it. And sometimes we're just like that. We take the miraculous. We take what's going on around us, what's going on around us for granted. You see, the greatest miracle of all was creation. And you and I are living in that right here, right now. And God created that for us so that we could share in it with him. And then the next miracle is you, Phil, Chris, Mark, Mike. It's you. You are a miracle. You see, God made you in his own image, his own hands. He chose you. You're something special to him. You are his miracle. But then you know the story of creation and how it got messed up for a while. And how, because of God's great love for us, he couldn't let that be. So what he does then is something even greater. Something even more miraculous than creation itself. He sends his own son, Jesus, to pay the price. To pay the price for our mistakes and our sin. To make all things new. And this is what I want you to get. You see, the miracle of salvation is now the greatest miracle there ever will be. And this is the miracle we as Christians should want to see more. And if you are a Christian this morning, your miracle, the miracle of salvation, far outweighs any other that are in this book. In fact, you're part of it. Everything in this book is that so that you can be here today, so that you can have a relationship with God, your creator again. God wrote this book with you in mind. You're part of this amazing story. I passionately believe in the miraculous, and I believe we will see the evidence of them today. But first, I want to get us to look differently, because like I've said, miracles are all around us. But are we seeing them? Are we noticing them? And are we taking them for granted? You see, there's a saying If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And if you start to look at miracles you've already had and the miracles that are around you, you will start to see more in the future. And I want to encourage you to never give up, to never give up hope on your miracle and to remember that the miracles you've already experienced. Remember the miracles that God has already done in your life and never give up hope to look differently, to see the miraculous in your everyday life, and then to hunger to see more. Just because you don't see a manifestation of the miracle today, it doesn't mean that it won't happen tomorrow. And you see, we we live on planet Earth. We live on planet Earth, but we're citizens of heaven, of the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, I just want to tell you that the miraculous is the norm. And we're called to live that out 
right here, right now, on earth. So, let's get back to meat. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. You probably know the story well, but we're going to take a look at it again together. That's 1 Kings 17 and verse 1. And we're going to read through to verse 6. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, uh, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the book and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kerith ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Everyone say morning. And bread and meat in the evening. Everyone say evening. And he drank from the brook. So God, in this story, tells Elijah to go to King Hayab and tell him that there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at his word. I don't know about you, but I think that's a tough conversation to have. And then God tells Elijah to leave where he was and to hide in the Kerith ravine, east of the Jordan. And when he gets there, he's to drink uh, from the brook and eat the bread and meat. God has ordered the ravens to bring him. And this is what I want to concentrate on. You see, God miraculously provides for Elijah. It probably wasn't the miracle he would have wanted, but it was definitely the miracle he needed. And I'll say that again, because that could be for someone. It probably, almost certainly, wasn't the miracle he wanted, but it was definitely the miracle he needed. And I don't know if you know anything about ravens, but they're quite ugly birds. They're part of the crow family, and they're scavengers. And in the law of Moses, they're classed as detestable and unclean birds. So for a Jewish prophet to eat from them really is a miracle. Not one that he would have wanted, but one that he needed. It kept him alive. And can I just say here, God always knows what's needed. And for me, miracles are for two reasons. To grow faith and to bring glory to God. To grow faith and to bring glory to God. Elijah knew that he would have died without God's provision and providing it in the strangest of ways as God sometimes chooses to do shows him that, shows that Elijah can trust him with everything and that the glory is God's alone. His faith grew in the miracle he received and this is where sometimes we get it wrong today. Sometimes we want miracles to increase our personal wealth instead of increasing our personal growth. Elijah had to trust God morning. Everyone say morning. And evening. Everyone say evening. For his miracle. He didn't receive it all at once. And his great faith grew because of that. He knew the provision of God and that God could be trusted. And sometimes that's what it's like for us. We don't get everything we need straight away because God wants our faith to grow. He wants us to trust him more 
And when we do, it then creates more hunger for the miraculous in other areas of our lives. I want to share with you my story here. Uh, and most of you have, have heard it before. But I, I want to say that the miracle of salvation is the greatest miracle. And I'm going to tell that story till the, till the day I die. There are lots of amazing miracles out there. But sometimes we need to look, at the back, look back at the ones we've had. It may be that we need to look back differently at the ones we've had to see what God has really done. So you all know my, my, my call to hear really how I, how I got here. My life was a, a total mess. Uh, and the first miracle I had was when I cried out to God and he opened his arms up and accepted me back. You see, from that moment, I was walking through the graveyard, St. John's graveyard, and I cried out to God. And I said, God, I was in desperate need. And I, I cried out and I said, Lord, help me. I then found myself at the top of the, uh, of the road at the swimming baths and saw the sign Zion. And God led me here. I believe from that moment, he, he took my hand and led me here. That was one miracle. And then I walked in through the door. I couldn't come in this one, but there was a side entrance around the, ball, around the back and I, and I sat down. And then at that precise time, I heard Leon, didn't know him then, but I heard Leon speak and say, no matter what you've done in your life, God loves you. And today you can have a relationship with him. That was my second miracle. And then after that, I found out the times of the church and I came back the following Sunday. And then the following Sunday after that, I gave my life back to God. That was my third miracle. You know, God never let me go, really. It was me that let God go. And when God welcomed me back, it, it was miraculous. There was tough things in my life. You all know that. And, and you all know I went to prison. Um, you all know that as a result of that, um, I, had faced some, I had to face some tough challenges. But the elders will know here, and this is what I want you to get. I, I never prayed for the miracle not to go. We always prayed that God would be with me. And sometimes I want you to hear this. Sometimes your miracle is in the know. You know, there are people, there were people, my family prayed for me not to go to prison. And when God didn't answer, they, God didn't answer their prayers, they thought it was a no. But you see, for me, it was a huge yes. Instead of not having that one miracle, which I could have had, which God could have given me, you see, I went on to have many more. You see, in prison, God was with me. God revealed his character to me. And through that, there's loads of amazing stories that I could share and tell from prison guards to, to, to asking me for prayer, to really opening up, to having conversations to, with me, to being trusted, to be walking, to be able to walk around the prison. You're supposed to be locked up there, but to be able to walk around the prison as a free man, really, and then to go to church to where, whenever I wanted, just to spend time with God. And I was hungry for God. I wasn't hungry about the hand of God. I was hungry for the face of God. And just one quick story, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, uh, and if someone's listening on podcast, I don't know if we delete it, but I joined uh, a Catholic group. I joined a Catholic group because I wanted to know more of God. And as a new Christian, you know, you, sometimes you're always on fire. And I was in the group just because I wanted, I hungered God, I craved for him, uh, and I wanted to experience more of God, so I joined the group. Uh, and we were sitting there in a circle, and they were talking about God, and there was just something I didn't understand, I didn't quite get. So being a new Christian and, and not knowing really and being bold, I said, guys, there's, there's something I just don't get. Why do you worship Mary? 
while the womb went silent <laughs> and no one uh, could say anything. And, and then the priest says, Simon, why do you say that? And I'm like, well, I see it like this. David Beckham is a famous footballer. And people, yeah, they worship him because he's good at that. He's good at what he does. But you don't see people standing outside his house and worshipping his mother. Well, you could hear a pin drop in that moment. And I could just say that I wasn't invited back. But I didn't really care. I was on fire for God. I was hungry for God. And I was craving for God. And since then, you know, since seeing those miracles, those first miracles in my life, it's grown my faith. It's expected me to see more. You see, I might be simple, but I take God at his word. What is in here is the truth. And I just simply choose to believe it. I choose to believe that we have a God that does miracles, that answers prayer. And sometimes if it's not the miracle we want, it's the miracle we need. And sometimes if it doesn't change us, if it doesn't change our circumstances, the miracle is sometimes that it changes us. And as well, you know, I've been up here as well and shared about an accident I had a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago. Got hit by a forklift truck at work, uh, crushing my right ankle really, and then catching an infection and having a, a huge hole in there. You know, for me, when I went to the hospital, the word amputation was mentioned and I panicked. I'd like to say my wife didn't. She was amazing in that. And through that, I really had to seek God. Again, not really for his hand, but for his face. And I said, God, whatever happens, I trust you. And as you know, my leg did get better, obviously. Uh, it healed uh, amazingly. But again, through that, I lost my job. I lost my wage. I lost my income. And things got difficult. And it was an accident that wasn't really my fault. And, and the work were negligent. And through that, I, I was laid off work for about... 12, 18 months, and we were in financial difficulty. And again, I just said, God, I trust you with that. I took on the, 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 the place where I worked, really, uh, put a claim in with the insurance. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they lied, really. They said that the accident was my fault, that it was my own responsibility that I was messing about and wasn't really getting anywhere with it. Apart from that, it was causing me frustration. It was causing me anger. So then God revealed that to me and I said, God, it was actually Leon spoke on something and said, sometimes we don't need to fight battles. We need God to let us do that for us. And at that moment, it was a revelation. And I'm like, God, I'm going to stop fighting this battle. I'm going to let you fight it for me. So I stopped the claim. I stopped the insurance claim. And I didn't have my miracle straight away. But it was a, a couple of months later, these parents came to visit and they said, Simon and Dee, we have, we've got a check for you. Someone uh, uh, anonymously give, us, give it us. They paid it into our bank account because they don't want you to know who it is. They want to bless you from God. And, and we're like, wow, £100, £200, that, that's amazing. Uh, and when they gave us the check, it was for £11,500. Exactly what the claim the solicitor told me would have been worth and exactly almost what we well got into debt for really what we what we used of our savings that's miraculous there's no other word for it and sometimes that's happening all around us they're happening in the world every day but the world calls them differently 
chance, luck, fortunate circumstances. They're none of that. They're miraculous. God is at work. God is at work. So miracles, they're to grow your faith. My faith was grown because of that. And they're to bring glory to God. And I hope I've just given God the glory for all of that because it was nothing that I did. So getting back to Elijah, his faith grew in the miracles next to the brook. And he, and he went on to see many more miraculous events in his lifetime. He saw the widow's son raised from the dead, the calling down of fire from heaven, the rain that ended the drought, and then the parting of the river Jordan and the chariot of fire that came and whisked him to heaven. And this all started from that one miracle, the one he wouldn't have wanted, but the one he needed. And I think the greatest miracle he witnessed wasn't, I want you to hear this, wasn't in any of the big ones. It was when God displayed his presence in a gentle whisper. You see, the real miracle of Elijah's life was his personal relationship with God and knowing that God's word could be trusted. And that miracle is available to us. And I really feel today that God is asking us to look differently. Instead of looking for signs, we need to hear the gentle whisper. And instead of looking for his hand, we need to look for his face. And when we do that, I believe that the miracles, the miraculous will follow because that's God's nature. You see, sometimes we're still asking for signs to prove that God exists. And when all the time God is gently whispering in your ear. And other times we're looking for for his hand, for God to provide us with stuff to prove sometimes that he loves us. But actually, if we look to God's face and deep into his eyes, then you would know that you would know that you would know that you are precious in his sight and that actually everything is already yours. It's yours. You see, if we look to a hand, we look with earthly eyes and we know that a hand can be taken away. But when we seek his face, God promises that he will never turn it away from us. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says this, If my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. When we truly seek God's face, it's often the case that we get his hand to. Seek my face, turn away from everything else. The Bible says wicked ways, that's everything else. And I will hear you from heaven and heal your land. This tells me that God listens to our prayers and that he wants to bless us. He wants to heal us. How amazing is that? And the story of Peter, the story of Peter walking on water reminds me of this. And you'll find that story in Matthew 14 and verse 22. You probably know that one well too. And the disciples were together in a boat. And then they see a figure. They see a figure walking towards them. And they cry out in fear, thinking it's a ghost. But then Jesus reassures them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid, he says. Peter immediately replies, Lord, 
if it is you, tell me to come on the water. Jesus then replies, come. So Peter climbs down on the boat and he started to walk on the water and headed for Jesus. And as I imagine the scene, I think Peter's eyes are solely fixed on Jesus. You see, he's having his miracle. He's walking on water. And this speaks to me more now as my own daughter, Cara Grace, is taking her first steps. Not on water, my ad. But as I hold her hands, as I hold her hands and she takes a step, her eyes are solely fixed on mine. You see, she's not looking where she's going. She's not even looking how her legs are moving, which is amazing for a baby, really. She's just looking for reassurance. She's looking straight into my eyes. She wants to know that everything's going to be okay. You see, face contact, eye-to-eye contact is the most important thing here. And I think this is exactly the same for Peter. You see, he started to sink when he took his eyes off Jesus and he noticed the wind and the waves around him. But then listen, the Bible says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. You see, Peter really didn't need the hand of Jesus because he had his miracle when his eyes were fixed on him. And for some of us, that's the only miracle we need today to change the way we look at things. But for others here, you actually need the hand of God. And I want you to hear this too. The Bible says that immediately the hand reached out and saved him. And then there may be some of you that have been coming for a while, seeking and looking what church is about and what God is about. I want to tell you that the greatest miracle of all is salvation. And that could be yours today too. And we're going to spend some time in a while seeking God and standing with you in prayer. But there's one more passage of scripture I want to look at. And that's Luke 5 verses 1 to 11. Luke 5, 1 to 11. If you've got your Bibles, let's find it and we'll go there. It says from verse 1, One day Jesus was standing at the lake of Gennesaret. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw the water's edge. Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, because you say so, I will let, the nets, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled out their boats. They pulled the boats up from the shore. They left everything and 
they followed him. Wow. Again, probably another familiar story, but I want to concentrate on verses 8 to 11. 8 to 11. Simon Peter was a fisherman. That was his trade. And he witnessed the biggest catch of fish he'd ever seen. It's a huge miracle for him, an important one. He could have lived off that for a long time. But at that moment, he receives it. At the moment he receives it, he sees Jesus for who he is. He sees differently and he falls to his knees and feels totally unworthy. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Then what's totally amazing for me is that Peter walks away. Verse 11 says he left everything and followed Jesus. Peter, having the greatest miracle, which, have, which would have sustained him for a while, leaves it to follow the miracle maker who will sustain him for a lifetime. You need to hear that again. Peter, having his greatest miracle, which would have sustained him for a while, leaves it to follow the miracle maker who will sustain him for a lifetime. And instead of Peter having just the one miracle, just this one miracle, he again went on to witness many, many more because he saw who Jesus really was. And I hope this morning, I hope this morning, this is creating hunger in you because everything, everything on this menu, and you should have had one as you come in, everything on the menu starts and ends with Jesus. It's all about him. He's the starter. He's the main course and the dessert. And if we want to hunger for the miraculous or anything else, we have to hunger first for Jesus and then open our eyes to see, what's all, see what he's already doing. See, miracles are happening every day. They're all around us. We just need to notice them. And I know some of you are still waiting for your miracle. And there's some of you that may feel totally let down because you feel you haven't had yours and that God may have said no. Well, can I say sometimes, this is a difficult subject, I know, but sometimes the miracle is in the no. And you see, if you truly believe that God has got the best for you, then we have to be like Peter. Forget the miracle that will sustain you for a while and follow the miracle maker that will sustain you for a lifetime. You see, God knows what's best. God knows and sees the bigger picture and he's more concerned about you than your miracle. And he wants us to treat him exactly the same. Isaiah 55 verse 9 says this, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. This shows that God doesn't think like us, or how we would like him to think. But we have to believe it. We have to believe that God is in total control. And as I come to an end now this morning, I want to ask Leon to come back. I'm going to finish strong because we have a God that we can count on and a God that who is faithful. What is impossible for man is possible for God. The Bible actually says that all things are possible for God. And for me, all means all. And while it says that in the Bible, I am never going to give up hope. I could have spoken on faith this morning and while faith is important the Bible tells me you only need it a small 
as a mustard seed and that's tiny and sometimes it's not dependent on your faith it can be dependent on someone else's you can see your miracle through someone else's faith and I think the biggest lie of all the biggest lie the enemy would want us to believe is that it's the lack of your faith it's because of the lack of your faith that you don't see your miracle that's a lie that's the biggest lie you can ever succumb to I want you to hear that I believe what will make us hunger for Jesus more is when we look at his face when we seek his face when we look at what he did because we're called to be just like him and what did Jesus do he did the miraculous he walked in the miraculous and we're called to do what he did we're called to live in that we're called to see that and when we do that when we start to call it out more when we start to see it more when we start to live it more we'll experience more our miracles your miracles will become greater I want to finish with this and it's John 14 verse 11 to 14 believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves of the miracles very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works will do the miracles I have been doing and they will do even greater things even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I believe in miracles and this hungers, this makes me hungry more for the miraculous. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Father God, Father God, everything is about you. It's because of you and it's for you. And Father God, I pray, Lord, the miracle that we need to have, more importantly, is to see you for who you are. Father God, you've already given us great things. Father God, and we want to open our eyes to accept that, to acknowledge that. Father God, creation is an amazing miracle salvation father god we thank you for that this morning if you're walking in that that's the greatest miracle you will ever have and father god we want to seek your face we want to seek your face we want to know who you are because when we know who you are we will do what you did and father god there's people that need miracles here this morning there's there's people that need miracles a fresh touch of you this morning Father God, and the greatest miracle I believe they can have is the miracle of seeing you again for who you are and then being filled, Father God, with your Holy Spirit. That has to be the start point. And then, Father God, from that, other miracles will flow. And Father, right now, I want to pray for the other miracles to flow. Father God, I want to pray for financial situations. Father God, I want to pray for job situations. Father God, I want to pray for illnesses. Father God, I want to pray for marriages that are struggling. Father God, I want to pray for health issues. I want to pray for relationships, Father, with you that have gone in a dry place. Father God, I want to call out from heaven right now an opening of your love, of your spirit, Father God. I want to see miracles, Lord Jesus. I want to see you here fill this place. Father God, I call them out 
why don't you cry out? Why don't you call out for your miracle to God? Some of you need miracles, Father God. Some of you need to see more, Father God. Let's look differently. Let's see God for what he's done. Cry out to him. Cry out to God. Claim your miracle in Jesus' name. Let's seek him. Let's seek his face. Spend time for a minute just seeking his face. Remember what he's done for you. Remember what he's done for you. Father God, come. Come by your spirit, Lord God. Lord, thank you, Father. Lord, we love you. Father, speak and open heaven. Lord God, we want to walk in the miraculous because you walked in it first. Father, we thank you. We call on your name. Lord Jesus, you are the one that saves. Father, we look to you and we can trust you because you are faithful. Father God, come. Touch us anew, Father God. And if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't experienced the most amazing miracle, the miracle of salvation, that's yours today too. All you need to do is cry out to Jesus. And the answer is a resounding yes. Father God, just pray that right now. If there's anyone here, just cry out to Jesus. And then God's speaking to you personally. I believe God's speaking to you personally now. And he's saying, look at me. Seek my face. My hand is there too. Just look at me differently. Look at me differently. Look at me differently. My hand is there. And now, as Leon heads back into worship, the ministry team are going to come out. And they're going to pray for you. They're going to stand with you for your miracle. They're going to believe with you for your miracle because that's what the Bible tells us to do. We're going to lay hands on the sick. If anyone you sick, come out. Mike Harris is here. And tonight, can I just encourage you, if you want to see miracles, come and see them. They're happening. There's a miracle service here tonight. Come and see miracles. We need to open our eyes and look differently. And then the elders, the elders on a Wednesday evening, they're praying for you guys. If you want prayer, if you want to see stuff change in your life, ask for prayer. Come and see them. God answers prayer. So as we head back into worship, if you need a miracle this morning, come and claim it. Come and be prayed for. In Jesus' name. Amen.